Uh, we're going to tag team today. This is like a wrestling match. We're going to wrestle and wrestle with God's word. And I'm going to share the first point. Hunter's going to share the second point. Then I'll come back and wrap it up in the third point. You notice the Meadowbrook statement. It's our guiding statement is on the screen. And since you're already rehearsed to read together, we've already done that with Kevin. Let's read this together as well. Meadowbrook seeks to connect people to Christ and his church, grow them as disciples to be disciplers, and equip them to serve through missions, ministry, and worship, all to glorify God. Oh, help us, Lord, to do just that. Help us with the empowerment of your spirit that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Help us with a mindset that is on the eternal with eyes cast to Jesus. With an understanding that you will reward all who are faithful. Help us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. I asked a question in the message, why does Dwight matter? And today I want to ask the same of us, why does Meadowbrook matter? Uh, by the way, I'm so grateful for how you responded to last week's message. At least you responded to me in face-to-face -face conversation. What you said went at lunch when I wasn't around, I don't know. But uh, I'm grateful for how you have responded so faithfully to God's church, specifically as we move toward and uh, stay in relationship with Dwight. All right, let's take this, this statement and just kind of break it apart. Let's think about this for a, a few minutes. We are to connect people to Christ and his church. And the reason why that's important is because the church is the means of the message of Christ getting to the world. There's not plan B. This is the way God has originated this movement of his gospel. This is how he empowers it through the, the church, the people in the church. And so Christ was on mission to bring salvation, the kingdom of God, to the world. And now he has put us on that same mission. That's the reason why we call it the co-mission. It is the mission of Christ, and it has been given to us and empowered that we might pursue it. So we have been commissioned by Christ to do just that. So it is up to us to share the message of Christ, to share with them about him and his gospel, his good news, and to invite people into the kingdom of God by this great gospel message and then obviously to bring them into the fellowship of Meadowbrook. Now there are many, many ways that you could communicate the gospel. You don't have to have a, a statement that you're memorizing and following, but we've given multiples of those and you can find those readily. Uh, I sort of migrate naturally back to the Roman road, uh, but there are others that we propose for you that are very easy to think about and draw out on a napkin if you want to do so at, at lunch. But I want to just mention five points of the, the Roman passages that I think are going to be very helpful for us. You can jot them down. They're in your handout, but you could jot them down in the back of your Bible. I, I went years for that in my Bible, just where I could flip to the back pages of my Bible and work it through with somebody. 
I've done others where I've marked my Bibles and highlighted on these verses and I'm making note where the next one I'm supposed to go to. And then I would go to that one and then do the next one, all five of them. It's no big deal. But you might think of it in five points. The first point and the last point are about us. It's about our sin and our response. So the first and last are going to focus on us. The middle three are going to focus on God and his goodness towards us. Let's just work through those real quick. First, you and I have a sin problem, and that sin problem is pretty easy to discover. It's in the, all the brokenness and all the failure that we see in the world. And so it's, it's an easy conversation to get into uh, with people. You recognize all this brokenness as a result of our sin, right? And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not a single person, including me on the planet, who has not been marked and filled with sin. For we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's the problem. But now God brings the solution with these three inner points and we will refer to Romans chapter 5 verse 8 and that God is demonstrating love and justice a lot of people want to talk about the love of God but not many people talk about the justice of God but God is both loving and just and in this one verse Romans chapter 5 verse 8 you can see the love of God and the justice of God and that God shows us his love for us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us so there's a love that God would be willing to step in place of us having his justice exercised against us it's amazing. God is full of justice and he requires that sin be paid for, but he stepped forward in his son and paid for that justice himself. That's God's great love and justice. The second is God's great grace. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. So we've got the love and justice of God and we have the grace of God. And look at this, we have God's freedom and that freedom is given to us when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We pledge him as our Lord, choosing to live than unto us. And in that there is therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. What a grand work that is. God's love and justice, God's great grace, and God's freedom that is extended to us. And then we call them to make a response. Your chapter 10 verse 9 that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's about as simple as it gets. So you and I can communicate God's good news for all people who need good news because we are all sinners and we need to make a response about that. And then invite them to respond. Share the message and invite them to respond to that. So let's love people by sharing the good news. You say, okay, preacher, I want to do that. I want to do exactly what you just did, and I want to have those conversations with people. I might blunder over them. Okay, God's word is powerful enough to get past our blunders. I did tell you about this guy I was side by side with we were in our seminary courses it was an evangelism course and we were working through uh, the outskirts of New Orleans Louisiana and we were going door to door and uh, we had a five point little outline we had memorized and we were following through that and all five points were varied just like I showed you but my friend mentioned every point 
all he could remember was God is love and he would just go through all five points God loves you God really loves you God really really loves you and he just went all the way through all five of them telling them that God loves them and then when he asked for the response you know what they did they gave their life to Jesus Christ. So you can blunder it because God's word is powerful. It's effective. It's sharp. It'll cut between the, the joint and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. Just trust God's word. If you'll be obedient, you'll let him receive the harvest and let him be the one that just says, okay, I'm going to do this. And you don't have to be the one to save anybody. God saves people, not us. So let's wake up in the mornings with this kind of prayer. Lord, save people today in your love. Save them from justice that is against them because the penalty of sin is death. Save them today and listen to this part of the prayer. And Lord, let me be part of that. In your saving grace among people today, let me be part of that. And just maybe the Holy Spirit will bring to mind somebody that you ought to be praying for specifically i found that the people that i'm praying that god would save those are the people i'm more easily moving toward i'm not saying it's easy but it's more easy to move toward them when i am praying for them god begins to develop in me a greater love for them and looking for the opportunity to say hey let me mention five things to you real quick they all come out of the book of romans and just work through that you know the first one is your sin the last one is your response and the other things are God's great goodness that is applied in his text you can just work through those now if you're serious about connecting people to Christ and his church Meadowbrook then live faithful to Christ and full of the spirit faithful to Christ and full of the spirit and just meet people in the midst of their brokenness you don't have to try to fix them they're broken because of their sin Christ will fix them Christ will restore them. Christ will redeem them. He will reconcile them. Just meet them in their brokenness. Share that good news with them and ask them to respond to that. And in their response, invite them to Meadowbrook. And if you invite them to Meadowbrook, we promise every Sunday we'll tell them how they can be saved. And we'll encourage them in their salvation if they are. So the world is filled with bad news and people with bad attitudes and all kinds of brokenness so people who are filled with God's spirit and who are filled with truth they stand out in a very positive way so let's seize the opportunity as they ask us of the hope that we have in the gospel all right now I'm going to let Hunter step forward and talk about that second part which is about growing in our faith growing disciples who will become disciplers Yes, and as we talk about growing, it's important just as we're, you know, is what Randy has been discussing. People are longing for the hope that you have. People are longing for the peace that you have with God, the reconciliation that you know, and they desire the spiritual vitality that Christ offers to his people. In fact, the recent Barnes survey, which is interesting, is it said that 74% of U.S. adults said they would like to grow spiritually. Think about that. Now, spiritual or spirituality or spiritually means a lot of different things in our culture. So it's one of those things that's really great. It gives us an opportunity to have common ground with people, but it's also a moment where we need to redefine some things because the lie of our culture is this, is that spiritual growth comes through the process of discovering some kind of power inherent within you and bringing it forth. 
So to many in this world, spiritual growth is thought to be a process of self-discovery. Uh, now, that's not anything new. In fact, that's kind of the core teaching of the ancient Gnostic heresy, uh, the false gospel that's falsely ascribed to Thomas. It says pretty much that exact thing. And that the culture has taught that every generation since. It's this idea of you have everything within you, you just need to bring it forth. That's spiritual growth to our culture. But that's not what the truth of God says. The truth of God, if you want to look with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. Now we're going to be in 2 Peter in about seven weeks or so, I think, sometime around then. So we're just going to kind of hit some high points here. But I want us to read uh, what the truth of God's word teaches us about spiritual growth. First he says in verse 3, he says, His divine power, that's God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, Peter says, I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. So that's a big passage. I'm obviously not going to be able to unpack all of it. But I want to just highlight four quick points. When we're thinking about growing spiritually, growing as disciples to be disciplers, I want us to think about these four points. One, in contrast to what the world teaches, spiritual growth is the result of God's grace. The spiritually mature are not self-made men and women. Uh, in their humility, these, these who are mature in Christ, they recognize not only that they depend on a whole lot of people around them, people who have invested truth into them, who have discipled them and brought them up in the faith, but they recognize that in all things, they are utterly dependent upon God because they recognize what Jesus said in John 15, that apart from him, you can do nothing. So God's goodness and his grace, when we think about spiritual growth and growing as disciples, God's grace sustains it from beginning to end. The same grace that saved you sanctifies you. And this happens because we grow through the knowledge of God, through knowing God. So rather than knowing self, you're knowing God who's outside of you through his word and by his spirit. So this isn't a journey of self-discovery. It's a journey that is, we embark on of growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Peter closes this letter with. So we look outward. We look to God. We look to his scriptures rather than inward. Our, the scriptures testify of the eternal word of God from the Father, and, and they teach us about 
who we are to be, who we are in Christ, and the Spirit of God nourishes us and works through the ministry of the church in our own personal time in the Word so that we can grow spiritually. So that's two points. So spiritual growth is the result of God's grace, and we grow spiritually through the knowledge of God, through His Word, by His Spirit. Now, I, w- I don't want us to get the wrong idea here because we're, we're all together dependent upon God for spiritual growth. But that that does not mean that we are passive in this. Rather, this passage highlights that growing as a disciple who will be making disciples, inevitably, 2 Timothy 2.2 says, this requires effort, it requires diligence, and a holistic approach on our part. In other words, Christ's kingdom is not for the lazy. It just isn't. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to intentionally draw near, press into God, and, and just really just have this moment of clarity where you do not deceive yourselves, but you remind yourself that this is, this is a team sport. We need one another. We need to be taking what has been invested in us and investing in other people. We have a, a community that we belong to. We are connected to the church of Jesus Christ. And if we, as we look at this passage in 2 Peter 1, every single one of these yous or y'alls, if you look at the, the plural, of the, these are plural yous. They're y'alls in the original language. So we embark on this pursuit together and just recognize that we are never at a point where we need no one's help. So we're growing in the grace of God. This is all God's grace. We're focused on knowing God uh, through his word, by his spirit. We're intentionally pressing into that and then recognizing that this is not our own efforts, but this is a team uh, sport that we, we work in together. Because Peter makes this clear. He sees it as a part of his duty. He says, as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm breathing, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. Even though you know these things, because you need that. We need that for one another because we're forgetful. We lose sight of the truth. As we go about our days, we lose sight of God's, uh, God's word and what it means for us in different ways. And we just need other people to remind us of truths that we already know and believe. We need the preaching of God's word every Sunday. We need the assurance of the Lord's Supper. We need the encouragement that comes to the congregational praising and worshiping of God. And we need the relational depth that life groups provide for our church family. Church is a gift that God has given to us that we receive and press into with joy and with intentionality because it's how God grows his people. And all of these things, uh, they, they foster this spiritual growth in us. And when I want us to think about when we're thinking about growing in spiritual growth, that's, that's nothing other than just pressing more into the abundant life that Christ says he provides for his people. As we grow spiritually, as we press into this community and we press into Christ, we will know the abundant life that he provides that's counter to the the enemy's work which seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. So don't be so nearsighted like Peter says. Press into Christ, press into his people, and take what you have learned and invest it into other people. Be a disciple in the context of community, who makes disciples. Andy. Yeah, thank you, Hunter. You mentioned the series that will be coming up in Second Peter. Uh, that, that will be happening starting next week. And if you are in the place where you want to cultivate your heart unto the way and the will of God and to exercise 
by the cultivation of your heart where there's real fruitfulness in your life then you'll want to be here starting next week and we'll do that for several weeks in a row where we're just saying Lord condition my heart uh, just just work in me so that I might be more like Christ and that I might live more gloriously unto him so if that's of interest to you we want to help you in that I want to do that as well it's partly the reason why I do series topical series when we're in between book by book studies is it's what God is doing in my life and I figure if he's doing it in my life he probably is doing it in yours as well since we're connected as the body of Christ so that'll be next week so Meadowbrook matters because collectively we communicate the gospel we are empowered as a church in the body of Christ to communicate the gospel and, and we rally each other and cheer each other on as we're communicating the gospel and Meadowbrook matters because we grow in Christ together you'll you'll become a better disciple who disciples others by being connected to Meadowbrook or whatever church the Holy Spirit might be leading people to obviously here at Meadowbrook the third aspect is to serve and that is to serve through missions ministry and worship and of course all of this connecting to Christ and his church and growing disciples and serving in ministry missions and worship is all meant to bring glory to Christ and in all that we're doing we're, the, the objective is that Christ himself would be glorified so we're not looking to glorify a name we're not looking to glorify a building where a group of people meet we're not looking to glorify an individual whether it's us or somebody else we're looking to glorify Christ how do we live in a way that brings him glory and one of those ways is by serving Kay and I will soon be heading over to Israel again and uh, we're taking a, a group of people from here who will study the Bible and engage the scripture right there in the Holy Land and I'm eager to do that uh, particularly there's a one place that just really is meaningful there's multiple places that are really meaningful uh, but one of those that was just I was taken aback uh, the, the couple of times that I've been before is on the waters of the Sea of Galilee uh, when you're on the eastern shore which would have been in Christ's day the Decapolis and where he says uh, from Capernaum let's let's go over there and he goes and he ministers uniquely you remember where the the guy has or two men have these demonic possessed spirits living within him and he, they are cast out remember and then Jesus says oh, let's go to the other side and he goes over to Magdala and moving on the the western side of the sea it's that trail back and forth that was really insightful to me because I was standing on the boat in a replica boat that would be like what Christ would have been on and just thinking Lord here you were I look in that area and I see where you fed the 5,000 I saw where the great sermon on the mount took place I see the old replicas and the old uh, foundations of like Capernaum and uh, there you were in that synagogue on that foundation and just kind of move along the shore and I could sense his work and ministry there and end up over on the eastern shore which is uh, Tiber western shore which is Tiberius now uh, the city of and and I was just pondering Lord I'm here on the same waters where you've been and I'm looking at the same places where you serve this is incredible but I've got this deep heart issue why does my life not reflect your life better as I 
ponder the ministry that you did the compassion the will the way of the father that you exercised perfectly why is my life not more in sync with your life that I'm reflecting on and that of course is the conviction that the spirit of God brings in the people that God loves and then the movement towards repentance breathed out this prayer Lord help me to be more like you Help me to engage in the will and the way of the Father like you. Help me to be compassionate and loving like you. Help my life, me, to look more like Jesus. I think probably everybody in this room has some of that sentiment. Some stronger than others. Some of you have a lasting sin in your life that just has hardened your heart against the things of God and maybe you don't have quite that sentiment but God will fan that little flame that little ember that's left there he'll fan that if you allow him and that will begin to roar a flame of enthusiasm and excitement and a hunger for you to pursue after the things of God and when you do that, then you'll begin to serve him faithfully through missions, ministry, and your worship, and your daily life, and in your collective gathering of saints, and in your private worship time. It, it will all flourish again. According to the Bible, God has unfathomable, deep, unfathomable love for each of us, and he gives to us extraordinary power and ability to exercise in the way that he has called us with gifts, talents, and abilities, and even desire, because that's the Holy Spirit at work within us, who knows perfectly the will of the Father, and as he dwells within us, he is drawing those two things together, your will and the Father's will, if you'll just but let him do a work in me, Lord. Open my eyes that I might see. Open my mind that I might have the thoughts of Christ, the mind of Christ, that I might live out that in wondrous ways. And God abundantly will do that if you're eager for him too. So how do we appropriate this love and power that God is filling in our hearts that we might exercise in great service to Jesus and to others? There's multiple passages we could point to but let me just pick three of them that if we will receive them treasure them and act on them and then begin to exercise in them God will do wondrous things of ministry and service to missions ministry and worship and the first is this this Matthew 22 you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all your soul with all your mind you shall love your neighbor as yourself now you and I know that it, it comes out of the the great Shema, the great word from Deuteronomy 6 is repeated multiple times in the scripture and the gospels just bring this forth. This is, this is the treasure. Jesus said, man, you could take all the words of the law and the prophets and you could simmer them down and you would have this. It's a condensed version, if you will. So if we would say, Lord, would you condition my heart that I might be filled with your love and then exercise love for you with all my soul, with all my heart. That's the being, the essence of me, and with all my mind. And Lord, let me exercise it by loving my neighbor 
purposefully God's love is demonstrated to us and that love ought to be demonstrated by us throughout the day so we begin to see every detail of our lives as a platform to expressing love catch that if you're kind of wandering away in your mind thinking about the mocha latte you're about to get just come back with me for a minute because I want you to hear this what would your life and my life be like if we thought as we were waking in the day Lord I want every expression of my life to be the love that I have for you tell me that wouldn't change conversations tell me the flipping randomly through the phone wouldn't change tell me the hours of watching people and pundits would change Lord, in this moment, am I expressing with my soul, with my heart, my mind, my love for you? In this moment, does this person that I'm in front of, do they know I have a love for you and thereby a love for them? What if we exercised in that way? And just saw it as what God has called us to do. Let every intention and purpose of our being to be an expression of our love for him in our words, our actions, in our thoughts, whether it's leisure or at, at work or conversation or idle contemplation, that we would pursue a love for God. Man, if we could condition ourselves, discipline ourselves to that. You say, oh, wow, I wish I could do that, Randy. Well, cultivate your heart. That's what we're going to work through over the next several weeks. Just how does God cultivate our heart to do just that? So from your love for God will flow a love for other people, and that's the interactions with people. Familiar or unfamiliar, it will give us opportunity to demonstrate and communicate love. So love God. Secondly, I would say this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we're just looking at three passages that we might serve Christ well in missions, ministry, and worship to his glory. The first is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and to love our neighbor. The second is seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. Above everything else, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that is understand the eternal objectives of God for you to be a citizen of heaven. So why has God saved you? You say, well, he saved me for heaven. And yes, that's true. But can I tell you, he saved you to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven even while you are a resident in this temporary world. Now that's a big challenge. Oh Lord, now you want me to live out the citizenship of being one of heaven, a, a citizen of heaven, while I'm in this temporary world. You want me to express the culture of being a citizen of heaven while I'm surrounded by a culture of the world. Exactly right. That's seeking righteousness, seeking the kingdom of God, putting that above all things and recognizing I don't need to be inundated with this culture of the world. I need to be inundated with the kingdom of God and the things of righteousness. So live in a way that brings honor to Christ and glory to him and just work in your life from your salvation to advance the kingdom of God I'm just I can't go over this enough with you I'm just so proud of you as a church for seeking the kingdom of God and the expression of that and what you're doing for Dwight 
that's a church that is not going to pay you back they don't have the means to offer anything back to you but yet you are pursuing them you know why because they're part of the kingdom of heaven and you say I want to pursue the kingdom of heaven and there's many other churches like them both locally and globally you are engaging many churches that you have never attended and you won't even know most of the people there if any of them until we get to heaven and why is that because you're seeking the kingdom of God you're seeking to advance the kingdom of God you're unwilling for that light to be snuffed out in that community that's just strongly impressive to me I think the same measure could be said of life groups who recognize the purpose of life group is to see multiplication and so when we have a life group leader who says my purpose is not merely just to teach people and live life together my purpose is to teach people and live life together to the point that I could nurture them grow them up and I could step out or somebody else could step out and we could multiply this you say well Randy all you're wanting to do is divide our class no all I want to do is to advance the kingdom of God and here's what I know that life groups and churches go stagnant if they're not constantly looking to advance it's the same way for your body you stop being mobile you stop being physical you stop exercising and atrophy will take over you'll lose weight quickly you'll lose muscle structure quickly because you're not seeking to advance and once you sit that's what happens it happens to churches and it happens to businesses and it happens to life groups as well so I'm always encouraged when we've got a life group that says hey we may not like it but right now we're going to advance the kingdom of heaven we're going to see this thing multiply some of our life groups have multiplied many times over and they don't get stuck at 25 or 30 they see 25 or 30 here 25 or 30 there 25 or 30 there 25 or 30 there and you look back and say wow that one class has influenced a hundred people because somebody recognized their job was to advance the kingdom of God I'm grateful for a church that sees it that way you know why you're not stuck because you are advancing the kingdom of God I'm grateful for that so be loving God loving others seek the kingdom of God seeking to advance it and then be filled with the spirit Ephesians 5 18 is so clear about this that we ought to be filled with the spirit it means controlled by him equipped by him and empowered by him and when you and I are filled with the spirit our mind is then engaged in the things of the spirit our activity is empowered by the spirit and we are completely given to him grateful for that now I'm convinced that God's love and power will work mightily in each of us who trust him enough to love him thoroughly seek his kingdom above all things and righteousness and submit ourselves to be filled with the spirit and in doing so he will enable us to serve faithfully in missions ministry and worship to the glory of God God saved me in 1973 at the age of eight years old 
I didn't know all there was to know about the gospel, but I knew enough to know that I was uh, on my way to hell. And Jesus wanted to rescue me from that. And I remember, I can see it vividly right now. I can feel the emotions of that pounding heart and that nervousness of walking down the aisle and telling our pastor that I needed to be saved. I remember it like it was yesterday. And then I remember at 16 in a basement bedroom with my Bible open and my little notepad because it was my first time to ever preach. And man, was I ever nervous. And I was studying and praying, praying aloud, praying with my hands to the Lord, saying, you've got to give me something. It's coming. Sunday's always coming for the preacher. <laughs> and I remember him birthing in me a message for that particular Sunday. But I was so overwhelmed because I knew that it wasn't a message just for Sunday. I knew it was a message for my heart, for my life, and for my being. And I knew that day that God was calling me to be a preacher and a pastor of his church one day. You know, my call to be a servant of Christ did not come at 16 it came when I was eight years old. Because the call to serve him doesn't come in a unique way. The call to serve him comes when you accept him as Lord. When he saves you, when he recognizes you, and he calls you by name. That means that every person in this room who has faith in Jesus Christ and has yielded their life to his lordship Saved, every person in this room is called to be a minister unto Christ and others. It's not a unique calling to me. It's a calling for all of us. And that makes sense because we have put ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And as Lord, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And because we are in relationship with him, the one who serves us, we declare our life forever unto service to him. So everybody in here is a minister. God has shaped you and intricately woven you together in your mother's womb, given you talents and abilities that are unique for the service he knew ahead of time for the works that you would do throughout your life. Everybody is called to serve. And to do it in a way that Christ is exalted and glorified. But it's also that you and I might receive the rewards of Christ. Look what he says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 or listen to it. Because there God reminds us that he does not overlook our work and the love that we have shown in his name. So when we serve in missions, ministry, and worship in the name of Jesus, God does not overlook that. He is going to reward that. And I'm telling you, it's exciting to know that God is going to reward us for our faithful service to him. Imagine the day that you'll stand before God 
One day, everybody will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will give an account to everything that we have done in this body, so he declares in his word. Imagine in that day when everything temporary is burned away, and all that is left is what is eternal and glorious unto God. Imagine all that being vaporized that was not done in his name and unto his glory, and what you have left standing before him to offer him, he will reward you for that. Imagine that moment and think if you could what would you tell yourself today would you tell yourself man all that that you're worried about all that that you're hoarding all that that you're wasting time on you'll really regret that in that day you ought to think differently about that I know that's where my heart is right now so I'm challenged in that way so that the eternal rewards that are commensurate to our service today will be flush in the day of judgment and then lasting throughout eternity I've challenged this before with three attitudes of service that I just want to leave this thought with three things that you and I ought to consider every day number one Lord today you're going to do a work include me in that work so help me to be spontaneous help me to serve spontaneously that is Lord let me see what I can do instantly and when I sense in my conscience where the spirit of God speaks ministers his word from the text of the Bible where, where I'm engaging in that inner dialogue if there's a prompting in me Lord help me be spontaneous enough to take the opportunity to serve just take that moment not let it pass and then regret it later but just take the moment when I sense that I ought to bring up the gospel to somebody Lord help me to be spontaneous enough to say yes I know I don't want to be too quick but Lord I don't want to be too long either where my heart starts beating fast and my blood pressure starts rising and I start getting nervous and discounting if this person's going to listen or not let me be spontaneous enough to say wow that's a prompting of the gospel in me hey let me mention five things to you and the brokenness that you and I experience Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned fallen short of the glory of God and just work through those next three the goodness of God and then ask them to respond to it or maybe it's serving somebody maybe it's giving them a cup of water in the name of Jesus whatever it is Lord help me to be spontaneous to look for the moment to serve somebody and do it in Jesus name don't forget that last part so when we're serving at way of the cross and when we're engaging with the lay ministry and when you're exercising grace to someone, do it in the name of Jesus. Hey, I want to give this to you in the name of Jesus. Hey, can I share something with you in the name of Jesus? May I treat you to this in the name of Jesus? He's been so good to me. Let me just reply in this way to you. Be spontaneous. That's a good attitude to have. Secondly, serve sacrificially consider your talents gifts and abilities and then seek the best way for you to serve sacrificially in that arena what are you good at and then exercise in that go online 
to mbchurch.com and go over to the ministry section and you'll find local and global ministries that you can plug into right away. And if you want to take a step in that and you don't know exactly how, send us an email at info at mbchurch.com or pastor at mbchurch.com. Just send us a quick email and tell us that you want to move in that direction towards local or global ministries and be strategic in your giving, sacrificial giving. So the plate went by me earlier and there's a little awkwardness in my heart when the plate goes by and I pass it by empty to the next person. It was awkward for everybody on this row because not a one of us put a thing in that plate. <laughs> if you sit close to the glory, you sit close to the conviction. You know that, right? So we all just passed that plate. Now, I'll soon get a notice from the church that your bank was auto-drafted and, and our tithe will go out. A tenth of our income goes out uh, every middle of the month and the end of the month. And so obviously it's about to go out. And Kay and I want to serve sacrificially by our giving. I, before God, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes in my flesh, I think, maybe I should pass this time. It's going to be a little tight this month. Maybe I should pass. Or sure would like to go here or there or do this or that or buy this or buy that. Maybe I can let this this time of the month pass by and not give that's in me but it takes me a whole lot of effort to go figure out how I'm going to get that auto draft to stop and then pick back up the next time so glory be to God it's going to happen <laughs> because in the moment of my weak flesh I might not do it but it's my intent of heart along with my wife that we would give sacrificially and so I'm grateful that that's been put there by the spirit of God can I tell you another way that we're going to give sacrificially? In our estate planning. We have determined that the things that are most mindful in our heart of the kingdom of God is Meadowbrook and equipping others to do the service of Christ. So a portion of our estate is going to go to our boys. A portion of that estate is going to go right here to Meadowbrook. And a portion of that is going to go to train up preachers and missionaries. Because we want to be sacrificial in all areas of our living and in our giving. You should consider that. We can help you with that if you'd like. And then finally, serve sacrificially. So as a Christ follower, you'll receive God's great eternal blessings from living sacrificially in service to God's kingdom and to others. Just choose to serve sacrificially to not make this world and this life about you but to make it about the glory of Christ advancing his kingdom communicating and demonstrating his love serve sacrificially in that way and that I'll close with this verse two verses from Colossians 3 whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you are serving the Lord Christ. You're serving the Lord Christ. What a grand opportunity we have. Does Meadowbrook matter? You bet it does. You are God's means for his communication of the gospel. You're the means in which the gospel is communicated that people would come into the kingdom to the glory of Jesus.
Do you know how glorified Jesus is when a sinner recognizes that Christ can make them a saint? Do you know how glorifying they are to Jesus when they recognize they're not going to spend eternity in the damnation of hell, but are going to spend eternity in the pleasures of heaven with him? Man, is Christ glorified from their lips when that happens. You're the means for that communication of the gospel that Christ might be glorified. You are the means by which this church grows and flourishes because you invite others to join us here who are unchurched. You matter. You matter because disciples are made here. And it's not just about making the disciple, but making the disciple and training them to the point that they could be disciplers themselves. Man, there's a grand movement among the men and the women of Meadowbrook who matter to God because God is making disciples who are disciplers. Men, tonight at 6.30, you're going to hear about that and how God might stir and work that in you as a discipler. You matter, Meadowbrook, because incredible missions and ministry and worship takes place through you to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, first we declare to you that we are yours by faith in Christ. We have received this grand gift, this wondrous grace by you and we're so thankful for that. And so for the rest of our days, we pledge our service to you. We are yours, Lord. So take our life as we yield it to you. Find us faithful to do all this that we talked about today, connecting people to Christ and his church, growing disciples who will disciple others and effectively minister and be on mission and worship you all to the glory that belongs to you. So help us, God, by your spirit and with your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.